Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We cannot start this week's show, absolutely cannot start this week's show, until we thank the following people who went to Patreon.com to sponsor this show. Derek Haynes. Alex Kazanis. Jack Connolly. Jonathan Renteria Elie. Bill Dixon. The wonderful Melanie Harker. Dr. Jason Woods. Oh, the fantastic Allison Keene. The alright Jamal Newman. The so-so John Helter. Battle Matt Fitness. The wonderful David Trumbor. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, out there, if you guys want to be on this list or just want to know what's coming up next week on the show, check out patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons for more details. And remember, that's morning with a U. Thank you so much for sponsoring us. Thank you so much for listening. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the depths of March Madness, I'll be your co-host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me for the first time ever, live and in person, <laughs> it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, bud? Uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? This is great. We're literally feet, if not foot, apart. Uh, instead of, what, 1,500 miles? How, how uh, long yeah. is it? I think the first time ever, 200-ish episodes. Yeah, 195 episodes, yep. and this is the first time that we've, not the first time that we've been able to record in the right. same space, but it's the first time that we've been together and actually been like, we should, we should record an episode together in yeah. the same place. We're here in the same zip code, in the same abode, literally recording on the same mic, so if there's any problems... It's that mic. It's all my fault. <laughs> Watch this time. be the one episode Damn that gets it. lost. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but no, we did we did watch together uh, Darkwing Duck back in the day. We were talking about this earlier. We yeah, watched yeah. Darkwing Duck live together and then did not, could not muster the energy to talk about that particular episode. For some reason, because like, we watched it with a group of friends yeah. and with the idea of we would record the podcast with a couple friends yeah. around us so that as we're joking and we're goofing on the show... And we could have some reactions that they could kind of enjoy and take part in the experience. These are all friends of ours from college. Yeah, it would have been like a live audience. And so we thought, lucky day, this will be great. Yeah. And we watched Darkwing, and it was such a downer and a bummer for such some reason. And, and we just all looked at each other and thought, oh, no, this is probably not a great idea. It was like, let's just pass. It, yeah. was, it was one of the weirdest viewing experiences ever because we were all watching it and just nobody laughed nobody had any comments nobody had anything to say and it's amazing because everybody had fond memories yeah. of the show everybody had great nostalgic anchor points in their brains yeah. to think this is going to be a wonderful experience and look at us what a great shared experience yeah. oh no the best laid plans but the connective tissue here is that that was a disney cartoon and now we are in March Madness. And if you guys have been following along for the last few years, we usually do a theme month around March Madness. So what was it, two years ago, we did uh, Pocket Monster March Madness. Right. So we did sort of like Pokemon and Monster Rancher and Digimon. And go back and listen to that suite of sweet episodes. <laughs> and then last year, to Sean's chagrin, we did Mecha March Madness. Not to my chagrin. Eh, it's just me. because you and Tony <laughs> hated on Neon Genesis Evangelion. Really did. For 90 minutes. And then we sent Sean uh, Chibi Gundam models to put together. Yep. Yeah. So if you'd like to get Sean anything, any gift, any time, oh. Chibi Gundam models. Preferably the snap together ones that he has to paint himself. 
I didn't paint it. It was actually just like decals. Definitely get him the ones he has to paint himself. Oh, son of a bitch. Yep. Yeah. So what are we doing this month? What's this theme uh, month that we're going to pit cartoons against each other in bloody combat? Oh, man. Uh, this is kind of weird because we, we were trying to think of groupings of cartoons that we had watched and that we knew enough about. Yeah. And it turns out that there is an entire cavalcade of Disney cartoons. Yeah. Either Disney cartoons that were from a movie and then adapted into the small screen or sort of standalone Disney properties that came about on the Disney Channel as a part of like a, a series of cartoons or, or a, sort of like an okay cartoons but on yeah. Disney. And so we had an opportunity to watch Disney cartoons this month and we are going to pit them against themselves battle to the death. Absolute death. What's funny is that all of these cartoons we actually haven't covered yet. And you're going to get some very familiar names, I think, from some of these. Um, so it's kind of surprising to me that we haven't covered them yet. But who's up tonight? Who's first on that shopping Ooh, block? Oh, man. We have, <laughs> we have Goof Troop, yeah. which is seated up against Bonkers. Ooh. Goof Troop and Bonkers. Yeah. So if Are we you... start at the bottom of the pack here? This is <laughs> yes. the top or the bottom? Okay. This is the bottom of the pack right now. Yeah, I think these both had, what, an average of like 6.9 rating on imdb 6.9 or like 7.0 so they were like right yeah, around that yeah yeah right around that bottom of it so if you are not familiar with goof troop goof troop is an american animated comedy television series produced by walt disney television animation created by mike peraza the main series of 65 episodes aired in the first run syndication from 1992 to 1993 on the disney afternoon programming block while an additional 13 episodes aired on Saturday morning on ABC. The Christmas special was produced, which aired in syndication on November 1st, 1992. Walt Disney Pictures released two films based on the television series, a theatrical A Goofy Movie released in 1995, as well as a direct-to-video sequel and television series finale, An Extremely Goofy Movie, released on February 29th, 2000. I didn't think of this ahead of time but i should have worn my goofy what is that what was the concert in the goofy movie or extremely goofy movie oh my i don't even remember but i know i sent you the t-shirt yeah i have the t-shirt and i didn't think of it until right now That's something right. something volt the guy's name is. but anyway do you did you watch these shows back in the early 90s i watched show? i watched a lot of goof a lot Troop. of goof Troop. yeah this was this was great for me to kind of revisit and recap. yeah so you had the Disney Channel growing up? I did. Did you Did you not? <laughs> you know, I can't remember. I can't remember if I watched it like at home, if we had the Disney Channel, or if it was one of those things where I was, I don't think I would have been in daycare. So if I was at like my aunt's house or whatever for the weekend, they had Disney Channel. Or if it was like, I know Allison um, only got to watch Disney Channel when they had that like free preview weekend or whatever it was. Yeah. They would have like one free weekend a year where they would advertise Disney Channel and then they would shut it back off. Sort of like turning water on at the tap for thirsty people and then just <laughs> turning back off unless you paid for it. Or kind of like just if, if Mickey came over and he kind of began to like pull up his, his shorts. His little stocking. A little his bit. little mouse shorts yeah. and stockings a little bit. And he's like, but only one leg. Oh, interested, Dave? Yeah. And you're like, no. I like that please, ankle. Please don't. I mean, I was into it. Please don't show me that mouse ankle. It's real gangly. <laughs> real narrow mouse ankle. Where's your bones, Mickey? <sighs> but if you guys don't know what Goof Troop is about, I'm about to lay it on you. So the series focuses on the relationship between single father Goofy and his son Max, as well as their neighbors Pete and his family. Goof Troop bears similarities to several early 1950s Goofy cartoon shorts which depicted Goofy as a father 
to a mischievous red-haired son. I actually like that note. I had forgotten all about that until I read that he actually had a kid back I then. mean, uh, suffice it to say, every redhead in their youth is mischievous. Yeah, has to be. Sean just rolled his eyes. Biggest eye roll. <laughs> Goofy, a single father, moves back to his hometown of Spoonerville with his son Max. As it happens, Goofy and Max end up moving in next door, spoiler alert, to Goofy's high school friend Pete, a used car salesman and owner of Honest Pete's Used Cars. Pete's wife Peg, a real estate agent, and their two children, son PJ, or Pete Jr., and younger daughter Pistol. Max and PJ become best friends and do practically everything together. A large portion of humor comes from the relatively normal Max's personality, sharply contrasting with his idiot father. I threw the word idiot in there. Everybody loves Goofy, of course, but he's called Goofy for a reason, which we definitely get to see in this first episode. Uh, that synopsis kind of breaks down the first episode that we watched tonight a little bit, but we'll get more into kind of the minutiae and stuff of the plot a little bit. Right. You want to get to Bonkers? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are not familiar with Bonkers, oh boy. Oof. Bonkers is an American animated television series and a spinoff of the earlier series Raw Toonage. Mm. It aired from September 1993 to February 1994 in first-run syndication. Reruns of the show continued in syndication until 1995. This, I was looking up the kind of the backstory of this one, how it came to be. Bonkers, if you're not familiar with what the character looks like, we'll talk about it more uh, in the character lineup. But there was another character out there in the world called Marsupalami. Or mm-hmm. Marsupalami. And I think, I don't know if it was Eisner at the time, got the rights to that. Through Disney, or through Disney, got the rights to that comic or cartoon character, and then somehow like amalgamated together and sort of like became a bonkers knockoff kind of. I don't know a hundred percent how it all comes together, but knowing that they got the rights to Marsupilami around the same time that Bonkers kind of came to be makes a lot of sense. I think I could be a hundred percent wrong. So internet, double check me on that one. Uh, if you did, you watch Bonkers? Uh, I had watched some of it, and I knew that it existed as yeah. well, but I couldn't, if it was something that before we sat down to watch it this month, if you had asked me, I would have really struggled with the name. Yeah, I probably would have got the name and recognized the character, but beyond that, I couldn't have named anybody else in it. I couldn't have told you what the premise of this thing was at all. And when we talk about the theme song, I, th- I think you'll understand why. And I think tonight. after watching it for tonight, also it, yeah. I probably would struggle to be able to tell you what the show's about. It's weird. I'm kind of pulled in two directions on this. There's like, we'll talk about it, but there's ideas that I like. It's the execution that I didn't really like. Sure. So there's ideas that I think had merit and could have done something interesting with. But speaking of those ideas, so the synopsis for uh, Bonkers. The premise of the series was that Bonkers D. Bobcat, an anthropomorphic bobcat who is a popular cartoon star had washed out of show business and, of course, became a cop. He was made the junior partner of Detective Lucky Piquel, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L, a grim and ill-tempered human who hates tunes. If this is starting to sound familiar like maybe some other movie that you've seen, just hold on there, we'll get to that. <laughs> Throughout the series, the pair worked together to solve crimes in Hollywood, California. Bonkers repeatedly tried to win Piquel's praise, but usually just ended up ruining missions with his antics. After multiple episodes of working with Bonkers, Piquel was given an FBI job in Washington, D.C., and with great glee was finally able to leave Bonkers. At the end of the, quote, lucky episodes, Bonkers was given a new partner, the attractive officer, Miranda Wright. Now, if you watch the intro, there's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on, and then at the end, this, like, hot blonde chick just, like, pops up, and you're just like, wait a minute, who the fuck is that? And I did not remember her at all until I read this uh, plot synopsis. Huh. But unfortunately, we are 
in the very, very early days of Bonkers for these episodes tonight. So we did not meet Officer Miranda Wright. Great pun on the name. Right. Right, right. Miranda writes. Yeah. Which is just her writing like a very long winded letter it being like please please get me off bonkers yeah, please give me a book deal <laughs> yeah uh so in the past yeah. uh, we should level set sure. for everybody about what we're actually doing for these comparisons right. and it, feel free if you're listening to play along at home yeah uh your numbers may come out very similar to ours they may be wildly and drastically different yeah, guess what uh we would love to know what they are and uh you are entitled to your own opinion youtube looking at you yeah youtube uh <laughs> So for everybody who is playing along at home, uh, what we have done is for all of these shows, we have watched the first episode of the series. Right. Why? Because these are the rough ones. And you know, coming in from uh, a pilot episode yeah. can always be challenging, but it can also be very rewarding and give you an idea of exactly who these characters are and give you a little bit more exposure to some of their origin story and background. Yeah, it kind of levels the playing field because each of these cartoons presumably has to come kind of out of the blue and has to introduce themselves to audience members without any prior knowledge of more or less any of the characters or what the premise is. So it's the, it's the easiest way for us to level the playing field across the board. Right. So in addition, we are scoring these against five different points. These five points are theme song, animation style, characters, plot, and finally, our potpourri... <laughs> is how Disney. So if you have a Trivial Pursuit pie at home and you want to fill them up, feel free to do so. We're not doing that, but if you want to be weird about it, that's totally fine. And we're doing these all on a 1 to 10 scale. Yeah, correct. One being that we absolutely hated it, and we will probably be dipping it at the end of the show. Right. And 10 is that we absolutely loved it. This is a must-watch. Yeah, so a scale from 5, <laughs> five to 50. <laughs> Woof. If anything gets a 5, man. That's a solid pick. Yikes. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to start off with Goof Troop tonight. And as we always do for our discussions, we're going to start with a uh, discussion of the theme song. Now, since we're under the theme song category, we're going to talk Goof Troop for a second and then kind of compare that directly to Bonkers theme song as well. So stick with us. If you want to pause it, uh, come back to it later after you've watched both of the first episodes as a refresher, feel free to do that. But we're going to jump into the theme song here. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you uh, watch the Goof Troop theme song? It's a very active yeah uh there is a lot going on and uh i don't i don't know maybe it's because i haven't watched you know a lot of old disney goofy cartoons in in a while i think yeah. maybe the the one that we watched two octobers ago was probably one of the last ones uh that i've actually had a chance to sit down and watch but uh this this just really paints everything that's about to happen in this show in such a fast-paced kinetic energy that it, at moments I was like, please slow down. Yeah, just let me catch up. Because it, it is a combination of some dedicated animation. Yep. It's a combination of some animation from the show. And so this hits that kind of crazy hybrid sweet spot where things are going all over the place and none of it really 100% makes sense. Right. You're not given a roll call of really these characters. Uh, you just sort of see a bunch of separate interactions that are all spliced together yeah. they're like please make this work <laughs> and the glue that really makes this work is the music and oh, the yeah. singing that happens in the background and so i think i can't say it any better than the first line of okay. this what do we got uh 
because it, you're, you're kind of coming to understand and you, you don't really understand if it's your first time watching Goof Troop what the dynamic between this father-son relationship is. Right. And it or just if starts... it's been 25 years since yeah, you watched exactly. it. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So it starts out with just the uh, the phrase, like father, like son, you're always number one. That's a great start. And it, it was it was very positive. It, it was... I immediately identified with it. It was it was fun to kind of hear that because a lot of these interactions are between Goofy and Max. Yeah. And so to kind of see them get into these antics, and as much as Max is trying to resist his goof nature and what's going on, he is so susceptible and he's falling into it. Yeah. And it and in a sense, it is sort of like his weird puberty moment to go through some of this stuff that you're going to eventually see in the show. Yeah. Uh, so I, I loved it, you know, just the, uh, the, the song, just everything that was going on. I, I think I would have liked to have seen them incorporate a roll call or, or something, maybe sure. some dedicated animation to this. Uh, but, you know, it, it just also feels like towards the very end of this theme song, it's the same thing just sung and then they move up an octave. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love it, though. I love <laughs> a key fun. change in a, in a theme song. Is, in a 30-second theme, <laughs> theme song. Which is super fun to, to hear and see all of it, but I, I just feel like they weren't done mining some of the cool stuff that was there. Sure. And they could have gone one step further and made this a perfect theme song. But it, in my, my mind, I loved, I loved reconnecting with this show this month simply for the theme song yeah that made it all worthwhile and very easily accessible for yeah, me absolutely i think you said it uh, very well uh this thing has a great beat and a great style to it too it's just like it's just fun i mean it's just pure fun from the get-go and whether that's visual or the the music that actually goes with it it's also a fun sing-along yeah theme. you know it, it's it helps to be a fun sing-along theme because then it stays in your head for 25 years and you can mostly pull up the lyrics you know years and years and years later and then to your point, but to go one step beyond it, it does set up a father-son dynamic, but then it also folds in the somewhat bigger community of, of people who are around them, too, when it comes to, like, Pete and his family, and then it becomes the whole kind of troop together, and it's kind of like this community of, like, the people who live in Spoonerville, even if it's just the two neighbors, uh, for the most part, but it does kind of invite everybody to join the fun, both in terms of visuals and in the lyrics themselves, or, right. like, they invite you watching at home and they invite everybody kind of like next door like come along and join the fun <laughs> and then they actually end it with like some some like jazz scat and i thought that was super cool i mean the only detriment i think from this was that it was it was pretty much a clip show it was just a clip show i didn't really need a roll call for this one because you know goofy and you know pete for the right. most part all the other characters are new so it's like okay i've got enough of the ground i can figure stuff out from there. so for, to me it wasn't perfect but it was close okay what'd you end up scoring it uh, I scored it a nine. I gave it a nine too. Oh, nice. So that's good. Right out the gate, I on the same page. Think, We're doing it. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh -oh. <laughs> can I uh, can I lead off the bonkers theme song? Get discussion? into it, buddy. Here's the thing. <laughs> so it's good <laughs> when you have to say you. For everybody listening, Dave yeah. paused, looked right at me, <laughs> posed up on his chair, and was like, "Here's the thing." Here's the thing. Go ahead. So the reason. I never really got into Bonkers as a kid or 10 or 12-year-old or whatever. And the reason I don't really remember much about it is because this is one of the rare cartoons that every time this theme song came on, changed the channel. There was something about the first couple notes, the first couple like chords. The sound of it was just like nails on a chalkboard to me. I, I could not stand 
the sound, the voice, the tune, the lyrics, anything. Like, I could not move quickly enough to change the channel. And this is back in the day when you literally probably had to go to the TV to change the channel. Um, it was rough. And honestly, revisiting it 20-some 20, 20 years later, I don't think anything's really changed for me. It's something about the whiny voice that's kind of singing the song. The fact that they just say bonkers over and over again. Uh, the only thing they really got right, because it's another kind of clip show animation style, the only thing they really got right was that the wacky kind of zany tone of the theme song set up what you would expect from the show itself. What about you? Uh, I agree. Uh, you know, there was... This is sort of when I, I had mentioned, like, I felt like there was a lot that they could have mined from yeah. the Goof Troop. This almost did the opposite. It overmined what one, was there, the, the potential idea. and the idea that was yeah. there. And, and you're right, it, it's the pitch and the almost like the really shrill uh, vocalist. Just and nasally and just it's, it's terrible. And I know that I'm nasally, and I, but I don't want to hear myself. But you're also not being hired to sing a kid's cartoon theme song. <clears throat> yeah. It's no no offense. I also didn't tell Sean. I didn't like pad his ego and be like, "No, you you're totally fine. Your voice sounds great." I was like, "Yeah, exactly. I yeah. agree with you 100. percent This is why." I just, it's a lot easier to make fun of each other when you're 1,500 miles apart. I love that this has a, a moment where yeah. you know right out the gate. Uh, I think in the uh, in like the second verse of this. And there are multiple verses of this. Like there are, there's a lot. Uh, the the line that really kind of struck me as being sort of fun is, is now he makes a living downtown, walking on a brand new beat, and that's like when he becomes a like a cop, a beat cop, yeah. Uh, slipping through the new day, tripping on a two way ticket down a one way street, beep beep beep. Uh, it, it that was probably I, I enjoyed some of it. Sure. And and yeah, there the were moments. And I think you're right. I think it's it's the energy that you see in this theme song that translates really well into actual bonkers, crazy kind of kinetic style. And, and I, I, I dug that, and I'm glad to see that it set that tone. But other than that, I agree with you. This was, it was hard to watch. And it's not like it's not really singable. It's not super memorable because, yeah, it is just kind of that either the fast lyrics and then just bonkers over and over again. I don't know, man. What'd you score this one? Uh, well, as a final note, yeah, yeah. I love the moment where uh, they just go, I hope he gets there on time. I don't like, think I like ever made it to that point as a kid, but as an adult, it was a real struggle not to just turn this off and give up and just start talking about Bitcoins instead, <laughs> like we threatened to do. Uh, we are shut down this podcast, yep. and this is going to be a podcast that now just focuses on dissecting the Bonkers theme song to... The very end of the universe. Every week. Every week. We'll find something new. Different verse. Mm, We've got same as the first. Yep. Uh, I gave this a six. Fuck. A six? Yeah. I give it a two. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Look, and my reasoning for that, the only reason it got a two was that the style of the theme song kind of matched the style of the show. It didn't really... It introduced the show on that level, but that was it for me. The, the reason I knocked it so much is because... I can't think of another theme song that we've covered on this show or I've watched and listened to in my life that actually made me turn the channel. Bots Masters? I think, I think I only had to watch that for the show. I don't think I ever had a chance to watch that growing up. Right? Okay. I don't remember watching it growing up, really. So you're saying it's getting... I would rather it's... listen to Bots Masters than Bonkers again. Wow. 100%. 
Z you're saying boys. this is getting demerits because of the nostalgia it, associated with look, it. Look, a five or a six to me for this theme song means that it wasn't great, but it it did its job, its bare minimum of existing as a theme song. Yeah. Right? But to me, it actually gets marked down because it actively drove me away from watching the rest <laughs> of the cartoon. Like a theme song is supposed to bring you in, set up the story, and then just get you into the action of it. This did none of those for me. It actually pushed me away. So for me, it loses points for that. Two. Gotcha. A two. Two. All right. Go back to the good stuff. That good, good. What do we got? What do we got in Goofstrip? We're on animation style now. This is going to get a little tricky, I think, throughout the month because we're, we're talking all Disney cartoons, right. right? And most of these are going to come from like probably early, mid-90s, maybe. It's going to be tough to kind of separate these out. So what stood out to you for the animation style for Goofstrip? Like what was notable? What was different? What was worthwhile? I think what was worthwhile was the uh, the animation style for uh, the the kids. Mm-hmm. The uh, Pete's children, Pete's wife and Pete's children, yep. as well as also Max um, and their cat Waffles. Yeah. Uh, I thought that they did a really good job giving each one of them uh, a unique look. And we'll talk about this in character that translated to them having each a unique personality. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the design sort of reflected, you know, what it was to, to look and dress like a kid Back in the 90s, like jams. Like, I feel like Max yeah. was always wearing jams. Yeah, he was. If you're not familiar with what jams are, <laughs> I don't know how to tell you. But was it with a Z? Yeah. Of course it was. Google, it was Google pop, them. Pop, pop quiz. Uh, always uh, is a Z. But they were cool. They were cool pants that you could wear back in the day as a kid. Made you awesome. They did not. No, they did not. There were a lot of things sold to us that made us think that we were awesome. <laughs> Jenkos and snap bracelets and <laughs> jams and... Lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I, I enjoyed this, and I, I felt that it kept in sort of that quality uh, of animation that I came to know and appreciate uh, during that time right. and during that era of when I was watching a lot of these um, on television. You know, uh, some of the contemporaries that we have talked about, Tailspin. Yeah. You know, I felt that this was of the same uh, quality of Tailspin, yeah. and I, I was really happy with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it has kind of that Disney quality it's essentially for me like it, it kept the design and the basics of the classic Goofy, but then brought it into the modern era, right? Yeah. So they have the basic design of Goofy. They're not completely overhauling him, but they do get to do that with the kids. So they get to envision a new mini Goofy. They get to envision two new like mini Pete's and they get to change their styles. I love the fact that you bring up that their, their wardrobe pretty much kind of like reflects their kind of outlook, their style, their personality a little bit. Um, and that's a nice touch. And they get to do that because they're creating these new characters from scratch, but they're kind of keeping the classic look of the old ones too, which I thought was pretty cool. As far as the overall animation style, the, the designs are a little bit cleaner, but the, the, the action's a lot smoother yes. than like something from the 50s. And there's a lot going on in these episodes. They're still kind of wacky and wild, but the transitions are smoother. The energy is a little higher. It all flows together really well. So... Honestly, I thought it was it was very well done, but there was nothing that really stood out to me as like a wow moment or just like oh that really separates it from the pack. But it was it was good. Yeah, you know it it kind of reminded me of sort of the the energy. Um, did you ever watch? It was a uh, the the Walt Disney short that they had with Goofy, uh, the art of skiing. Yeah, there was so much about this that reminded me of the all, art of skiing. All the environmental stuff. Uh, just you know all the the kind of wacky goofy hijinks yeah. 
you know, I'll never forget like the the idea that he has all those hot water bottles like yeah. underneath his bed <laughs> as he's just sleeping, like, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just it's like a flowing waterbed <laughs> the entire time. And and these things are so fun. But I mean, that's that's like who Goofy's personality right. is, and I think they do a great job of translating that from these old shorts and from some of these more modern cartoons into something that's a dedicated standalone for Goofy, yeah. as well as also evolving the franchise and including all of these new and unique people who are in his life. Absolutely. And when I say environmental stuff, I don't mean like green pro environment. I mean like literally things in their environment that they use and that become sort of like props or things that act. But yeah, I mean also, also you know, background stuff. Like yeah, they yeah. do they do a crazy wild job with perspective in this with like making houses seem way bigger than they are. Yeah. Pete's boat that's in the yard yeah, that cool seems like it's like a that's small a Titanic that's like, you know, just like sitting next to their house. Yeah. I mean, they they really do a, a weird job of, of playing and fucking with the distortion of uh, your point of view for this because these things are almost like fisheye lens exaggerated at yeah. moments. And, and you don't know why. And it's just background shit. Yeah. It's not something that's like in the foreground. It's just they do a pan of like both houses from like one house to the other. Yeah. And you see all of this environment, and you wonder, like, why does this boat? Why does the boat look like it's fisheye the lens boat looks and the like house? A, yeah, Buster Rhymes. Video. <laughs> but I, the one, the one thing that actually did play into the plot, though, which was cool, and I think you mentioned it, was uh, we'll we'll get into this in the plot a little bit. But it, it basically like Goofy's talking about Pete, and we don't know what Pete's been up to. We know Goofy's kind of on some hard times, so we don't know what Pete's been up to. And it cuts to Pete, presumably in his like yacht, fishing off the front of it in this like like paradise somewhere and you're like okay i guess he's doing pretty well for himself and then it pans back just a little bit and it reveals that he's basically got like a little model of himself in this boat so that it's it's his setup of like his ideal location and where he should be he's not i'm not saying he's like falling on hard times he's still doing pretty well for himself but he's not in the middle of his own like private lake somewhere with his like million dollar yacht but that was a cool um animation trick that they kind of played on that was pretty what'd you end up scoring the animation style for goof I give the animation style an 8. Oh, okay. I give it a 7. So I think that's pretty acceptable. Uh, is Bonkers animation style acceptable? You know, I... What was I smoking when I gave it this score? Okay. <laughs> we'll find out. No, you know, I think that it is. I think that it is a really high quality in terms of the actual animation style. Uh, if you're not familiar with the uh, Bonkers D. Bobcat character... I'll be honest with you. I don't really know what an animated bobcat looks like. Not this. I mean, we could talk about this. Yeah, in the he's plot. got deedly bobs. Yeah, deedly. I don't understand what the deedly bobs are. I don't either. Are they? They look like they're ears, but they look like almost antennas. Yeah. But, but it's neither. but they're but they're bigger and they're fluffy. This is this is where if you go look up Bonkers the Bobcat and look up Marsupilami, you'll see where the kind of comparisons cross over because right. they're both kind of like vaguely yellow or orange colored with black spots and they're kind of furry cat creatures but for some reason they have deedly bobs that can't quite be explained yeah um so yeah so that's his design uh, but i mean I, I think you know in terms of the this cartoon i think is unique by contrast to goof troop yep. that they actually have human characters right they actually have uh they have men and they have women and they have actual human characters with five fingers right. You know that are in this, you know, to contrast these tune counterparts. If again, this is sounding very similar to a certain movie that you may have watched that was out during this this point in time. I think it had been out for what 
I don't remember when. I think we, it was like a late guy, If you're not familiar with uh, Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit, Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there, are, there are so many similarities uh, that Bonkers pulls and draws from and is directly inspired by as a character oh, yeah. uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But the animation style for this is, is good. It's pretty top-notch. And, and again, just like Goof Troop, there is so much stuff that is going on here, and it's smooth. Yeah. Like I don't see any jank. I don't see any moments where I'm thinking to myself like, "Ooh, maybe they don't, maybe they don't do that pan, or maybe they don't do that thing." Yeah. And and the characters that are in here, oddly enough, the character that they have, Pickel, uh, Lucky Pickel, uh, great name, yeah. uh, reminds me a lot of Batman the Animated Series Bullock. Bullock, yeah, hundred percent. He reminds me so much of Bullock, and and they did such a great job. Bullock's actually in better shape. Yeah, but... <laughs> somehow. <laughs> But they do a really good job of being able to animate these human characters and give them a life of their own and integrate them into this tune life as well. Yeah. And, and you see them sort of have that mutualism. That's fun. I, I like that. They did a great job with being able to incorporate that. Plus, you know, you get a chance to, to see some of these characters that you've never seen before. You know, Bonkers the Bobcat was in this, what was it, tune sewage? Raw, raw tunage. Basically raw sewage. The same. Yeah. was in raw sewage. You get sick from either one of those. <laughs> was in a cartoon norovirus. And so they, they had all of the stuff that was there. Uh, if this character and if that show kind of went over your head, you don't have an opportunity to really kind of get into, you know, sort of the, the ins and outs of this particular character and the people that are around them. And yeah. they do a great job of fleshing out that environment yeah, and all that space. Absolutely. And, and without getting too much into the characters themselves, the design of all the characters, honestly, for me, with the exception of Bonkers, great i loved lucky it was like yeah he looked like bullock he looked like um what was it sam from spawn it's kind of that like your typical just fat kind of like overweight and and, and stodgy kind of police yeah. detective yeah his belly then lops over his belt that kind of thing but i like that approach because it's not like you know he's not a super soldier he's not a captain america out there running around and, and solving cases and saving the day he's like this schlubby overworked overweight detective just trying to do his best you know, he's Carl Winslow out there. He's not, you know, Captain America. So I love that they designed kind of this, like, fat, schlubby guy to be essentially the, like, co-lead of the series. Plus, his kind of, like, ponderousness and kind of grumpy attitude works really well with this crazily animated, psychotic character. And it's fun to realize that, you know, his original partner before Bonkers was Steve Urkel. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense <laughs> when, when that comes into play. Uh, but I love the design of the, of the other characters they have, though, too. Mm -hmm. So again, much like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Bonkers has a lot of cartoon pals. So they're either other characters, like Fall Apart Rabbit, who's, I think, probably my favorite thing <laughs> from this show. Um, what a great name, by the way, Fall Apart Rabbit. Um, the other characters that are around him do, like, like, cute little cartoon versions of, like, sirens and police radios and stools and brooms and just like anything that exists in a cartoon world it now has eyes and a mouth and can hop around that's a great design honestly this thing got extra points for me because of two things the character design for the villain known mm. as the collector it was a really really creepy and effective villain in this first episode this is a two-parter we're mostly going to talk about the first part the first part it was actually terrifying like for me super scary and that was scared the shit out of me as a kid because they had this animation shift that happens at this point and this mm -hmm. is what really earned the extra bump for me they go from kind of this bright and sunny cartoon hollywood world into like the sewers and into like a sort of american tale or rats of nim kind of style of animation everything gets like very 
dense and dark and almost realistic to a point, and it's super creepy when you watch this happen. So that, to me, it earned an extra point because they did something different that really stood out. Anything else from Animation Soft and Final Cruise? What'd you end up scoring this? I ended up actually giving this an 8 as well. I give it an 8, yeah. Nice. All right, speaking of characters, we're going to go back to Goof Troop here for a second. So we've kind of got our main characters. Um, but what's been dressed up from their original iterations in this one for Goofy and Pete? I mean, you know, we, we've got Goofy who is, you know, a, he's a little bit more of a father figure, yeah. you know, but he's still just as irresponsible and absent-minded yeah. uh, as he ever had, or, you know, as, as you know and love him. Uh, and he's been able to sort of incorporate that into his relationship with his son. Yeah. And, and we will talk a little bit more sort of about your, your introduction to Max and just the, the whole meatball ping pong scene that they yeah, have is really cute. Yeah. Like you, you get to see a, a bunch of nice father-son moments uh, and that, that's, that's good. And it's a different side of a character who was just like a complete goofball and always was like very slapsticky and tripping over stuff. This is a whole other side. Oh no, trust me. That's still, oh, it's all still there. 100% there. It's just an additional side where you get to see him like with his son, even if he's a complete goof, honestly, right. for lack of a better word. But I, I, love, I love these characters for Max. And I love PJ and uh, Pistol. Yeah, yeah. And, and even Peg. Peg uh, was great. I, you know, I thought Pete's the whole wife. Pete family, and even what they did with Pete himself, because it's tough to go from, you know, Goofy's kind of the hero, even if he doesn't really know what he's doing, and Pete's the antagonist who's trying to ruin the day in the classic cartoons. So now you're trying to bring everybody together and put them in, like, a suburb and make them function as, like, a community. Like, how do you have a protagonist and an antagonist in that? But Pete still is. Right. He's still an antagonist for pretty much everybody in this thing. He, he's antagonizing <laughs> his wife, which we'll get to in the plot. Um, antagonizing his children? His children? Definitely Goofy and Max. <laughs> and then to a point, like, even himself, he, he like, has a, a moment of realization at the end of this first episode where he's like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Yeah. And he has this moment which completely gets turned end over end again. But, yeah, he's, he's a pretty solid antagonist just in a, in a more sitcom-y kind of way. And I, I think that what really sold all of these characters, I mentioned about the design yeah, yeah. Uh, in our last section, but the, these characters, just their personalities, each one of them had personalities that were, were unique and distinct. Like, I mean, you could almost sum up a majority of these characters in one word. Goofy, okay. yeah, you'd probably just say yeah, goofy, just got it, yeah. absent-minded. You know, Max was really brave. Yeah. You know, he, he was a kid that wanted to, he wanted to try stuff out, you know, regardless of, of whether or not it was going to be a bad thing. He kind of wanted to break the rules yeah. a little bit at some points, but, you know, he was looking to kind of have fun. He was looking to be a kid. We don't get too much of that until kind of meh, midway through or towards the end. We get a hint of it, but it was really well done when but it finally you, broke through. You get a really nice, fun moment where he re you can tell that he's embarrassed by his dad. Yeah. And, I, you know, anybody who has, uh, hopefully everybody has a, a good to okay relationship with their dad yeah. um, or any kind of like mentor or father figure i'm exactly. sure they do some things that probably have embarrassed you right in your life and so you get you get to see max do all of this and, and kind of go through uh this process of just embarrassment and, and who hasn't been there with a a role model a parent figure a mentor anybody that's been in your life that is an older guiding hand who hasn't embarrassed you at some point and then the worst part of that is you see yourself doing the things that they do that embarrass you, but you catch yourself doing them. Yep. You catch yourself becoming your kind of worst nightmare. And that's one of the more frustrating things. But it's, it's an interesting kind of like <laughs> awareness as you get older that you're like, oh, yeah, shit. I'm Tomorrow, becoming... Uh, oh, 
no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a goof. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's a great moment that Max kind of has with that. He kind of stumbles into some stuff, and he ends up looking like a weird alien, and that's kind of his first introduction with PJ. I thought their first introduction was actually colder than I had remembered it, because they're kind of not sizing each other up, but they're both kind of like nervous and a little embarrassed, and they don't really know what's happening. So neither of them, they're not like fast friends. Right. They don't just like slap hands and are just like we're best friends now. Let's go I, play with trucks. Like, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I really thought that it was perfect. You know, the again, these characters, you get PJ who is uh he's he's a, unsure. Yeah. You know, he's shy. And he's very like controlled by his dad. His dad pretty much tells him what to do or not to do at right. any given moment. Pistol is extremely high nah, strung. She's, she's, she's great. She's playing she's with fantastic. worms all the time. Yeah. Uh, you, and, and, and to that scene, you yeah, get yeah. Peg, and you see the contrast in terms of her being uh, being a friend yeah. uh, versus being a, a, a mother. An authority and just, figure. Yeah, yeah, and just see that authority just to wash your hands. Like, it's just, it's, great. it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy, like, dual personality yeah. persona that she wears that she could flash back in forth in, in this character, and it's super fun to see. And probably my favorite is Pete. Okay. Just to see him go through this intense anxiety. He has so of, many medical problems. For no reason, though. <laughs> it's all self-inflicted. Self self yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the entire time, like, he's losing his mind, flipping out, and it's one of those things where, like, like I'm like, I'm an okay adult, and like, but I still have moments where I'm just like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. Like, I, I'm in a lot of trouble Pete's right now. He's in like a constant state of that, though, yeah. in this episode. To the fact that, like, he's just like, uh-oh, my stress levels are going... He loses like, just, his mind. Yeah, it's it's insane to see these things, and they're all of his own making. Yeah. I mean, he is his own worst enemy yes. through and through. He'll blame everything on Goofy, which is the pretty much the entire, like, premise of this plot or this, <laughs> this cartoon. But I love the fact that, like, uh, PJ and Pistol know their dad so well that if, if they see any one thing go wrong, they're like, oh, dad's going to lose it. And they make a bet with each other, like whether he's going to burst like an appendix or a spleen, spleen or whatever it was. And they like, they'll bet with each other, like which thing's going to rupture this time. So he's like super high strung to the point that he just like goes bananas. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cute. Uh, anything else from, that's pretty much the only people we get to meet. There's a couple other right. ancillary characters. Uh, what'd you score this one? It is a 10. Really perfect. Yeah, Goof Troop gets perfect characterization. I, get, I loved all of the unique characters in this show. Nice. You just love Waffles. I mean, we didn't even talk about Waffles. <clears throat> waffles the cat. Yeah. I, did we see Waffles after? Yes, we did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was concerned He's that like, Waffles, He's but alive. like ran afoul of the dog, and then we didn't see her till the end. So Waffles. I gave it an eight. Okay. I gave it an eight. I, I thought there was in this first episode at least we got good characterization. It was good. Uh, just, I don't know, there's just something about it that wasn't quite perfect for me, I guess. I, I've got really strong seeds of who these characters were going to be. Yeah, I did too. I'm not like rethinking my... Remember that we can go back and we can change these okay. after the discussion. Uh, speaking of characters, how about Bonkers, D-Bobcat, and all the characters? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, it's really hard to watch a show when you're not 100% on board with your titular character. Yep. Uh, and, Looking at you, and, Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Jerktron. Every time. I, I, I feel... My, my impression was I enjoyed all of the supporting characters yeah. in the show. And then Bonkers really could have not been in this program. Yep. And I would have really enjoyed it. I would have watched this like... Uh... What, Lucky and his, and his wife and his kid just like solving crimes together. Yeah. Like, that would have been great. Nope. 
gotta have this pain in the ass bobcat. And I, I think some of it we'll get to it in the actual plot itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was really the the offending portion of this show. But the the characters were just characters are fun and they're interesting. It's just bonkers really dragged this down for me yeah, a really lot, weird. which is weird. I mean, it's it's a show like we said that kind of like exists in cartoon Hollywood. And cartoon Hollywood exists alongside human Hollywood. So it's interesting that they had this idea that it's sort of a showbiz cartoon, right? So it pokes fun at the behind the scenes of showbiz. It folds in things like cameos, like Donald Duck walking through a park. I was like, okay, that's an interesting addition. It makes me feel like he was just like out for a run or whatever at a local park in the middle of the night. But it makes it feel like it's a world that any of these other cartoon characters can show up. I thought that was neat. But every time Bonkers is on the scene, it's just a scene I don't want to watch. Like, I loved the idea. I loved all the other characters that were around him. Fall Apart Rabbit, like I mentioned earlier, is one of the funniest damn things to me. Just the concept of him. Jitters is a great character that we meet for like two seconds. He's the kind of, looks like a koala in a suit, but he's like, I guess, just, he's very nervous. Who is that? I'll have to... Yeah, look him up, because I don't think I even remember that. Okay. Maybe I just missed his name. But I love Fall Apart Rabbit, who's essentially Bonkers' stunt double. He calls him his best friend, but he's essentially a stunt double who, whenever Bonkers, while he was filming the cartoon, uh, spoiler alert, before it was canceled, while he was filming a cartoon, uh, Fall Apart Rabbit would come in and then just take the hit <laughs> for Bonkers, essentially. So pieces of him are literally just falling apart as the cartoon goes on. Then they have other things like Fawn Deer, which is kind of his... Oh, yeah, okay. So Jitter's a dog, and uh, who, who was a Mad Hatter. Right? Yeah. Uh, a bunch of like random cameos and cartoon characters that look like we've seen them before, but yeah. they're original. Fawn Deer was great as like a sort of leading lady kind of character. Um, and then the human characters. I really liked Lucky. I yeah. thought Lucky was great. The police chief reminded me of uh, Commandant Lassard. From Police, from Police Academy. Academy. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like the other cartoon like assistants and stuff that Bonkers had. I, I like the, not the siren so much, but I like the police radio. I thought that was kind of cute. But again, straight out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. What I really liked is the Collector. Yeah. And Mr. Doodles, his little like Igor assistant. Collector I thought was super cool, and I'll talk more about it in the plot. But essentially, you've got a Freddy Krueger-like villain who has super sharp pencils for fingers on one hand that he uses to like do quick sketches and then stab them or rip them apart and on the other hand he has pencil sharpeners which is just like it sounds really stupid as i'm saying it but if you actually watch how it's depicted in the show it's super creepy man like this is like really creepy level dr doom kind of cartoon villainy level uh he has like glowing red eyes um He's kind of a mishmash of all different cartoon animals. You can't quite tell what he is. He's kind of like a combination of a bunch of things. And he's always in the dark. And he's got real nefarious plans. I, I thought he was super cool. He's really the only reason that I gave this cartoon the score that I did for this category. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he took it up a next level. But the rest of it, bonkers, really dragged the rest of this one down. Anybody else who stood out to you? No? No. What'd you score this one? It is a six. I gave it a six, too. And at least two or three of those points were from the collector. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get into uh, the plot here of Goose Group. Now, we're not going to like pick this apart piece by piece. We're going to give you kind of an overview of what the first episode is like and then talk about some highlights and then how effective that was right. overall as a first episode. So give us kind of the high level of what this first episode was supposed to be uh, about. Goofy gets a degree in the mail 
or something. You don't really know what. No, I just and, heard him say waffles yeah. a bunch. I don't know what he was saying. And then uh, decides that he could finally get a job in Spoonerville, his home, old hometown. Right. Packs up his son, and they move. Turns out that there is uh, available real estate right next to Pete. Yeah. And so they move in to become neighbors. Problem with this is that Pete is eyeing up that neighboring property, which his wife is trying to sell. Uh, he's hoping that she doesn't, thus antagonizing his, his wife's plans. He's hoping that she doesn't so he can just, like, knock it all down, steamroll it, and turn it into his, like, private lake. Which, that's essentially it. Like, that's the premise of it. And as you can probably figure out, Goofy shows up, ends up getting the house, and then that just opens up the world for all kinds of conflict and, and comedy there on out. But, at the same time, this episode just kind of establishes the, it reunites them. Right, so it brings those relationships back together, and it lets you know where Goofy and uh, Pete kind of stand, and then it also introduces Max and PJ and sets their friendship off too. So, <laughs> it's, I'm just laughing at the fact that like with the the Pete and, and Goofy relationship, yeah. you know, uh, Pete was always the the antagonist oh, yeah. in any in any old cartoon. Yeah. But but Goofy just seems to really favor him as like a, a just a pal, a chum. And you know any anything that hits him in terms of negative energy is just water off a duck's back. Yeah. He just does not. He doesn't seem to be aware. And I, I don't know what it is sometimes, but like that social awareness that Goofy doesn't have. Yeah. Just really. I would I, love that. God, just being so positive like that. I would love that. That seems like it would be. It would take and require so much energy, which I don't have. It's it's almost like that's his like default state though, because he's not trying to look for like the bright side of people. Like that's just his natural inclination. He's so I guess you can say naive, uh, to the point that nothing anyone does he sees as like a slight against him. There's a point, and this made me actually laugh out loud. There's a point where Pete finds out that Goofy is moving to Spoonerville. He calls him <laughs> from a payphone, and Pete obviously doesn't want this to happen, especially not before the house is sold, so he can turn his uh, that property into his own lake. So he gives Goofy ridiculous directions, like drive 600 miles north, go three days west, go south till you hit Mexico, and then go back east or whatever. And he's like, gorsh. And he's like, I got it. Yeah. there soon. And then Pete. That's a good has, Goofy. Well, Why have we not been doing this the whole show? I don't know. I think I usually need a beer before I do that. So. <laughs> but then Pete, this cracked me up to no end. Pete kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit because he's talking to him on the phone. And then he gives Goofy these directions, and he's so happy that he gave him these shitty directions. And he's like, yup, see you soon. And then he hangs up, and he's like, if you ever find me. And he starts to run out of the house, but then he comes back and looks at the camera and just goes, oh, yuck. And then just <laughs> runs back out. And it fucking killed me, because it was like, that moment just encapsulated his entire history with Goofy. Yeah. That every time Goofy said, gorsh, or oh, yuck, or whatever, it always irritated Pete. And like he held on to that for years. There's one moment where he got to like give Goofy a singer for oh, once. I, I love that, that moment. Uh, you know, I, I think the additional plot point that they have, yeah. I don't even know if it's a B narrative, but it, it's it, it's really just sort of like the, the meeting of the sons. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and just kind of uh, seeing how quickly, you know, they're going to they're gonna be friends. And as we mentioned, they, they weren't, in, it was very cold that initial yeah. open, you know, where they were, they were. Both specifically given fatherly instructions. Goofy tells Max, he's like, you know, be, fa- be fast friends with him. Guryuk. You know, and it's not as good as yours. That's okay. and, and Pete 
It's very like, don't touch him. You're going to get the goof germs. And the goof germs never come out. You're going to get the goof germs and then it's going to infect you. So PJ's wearing a gas mask when he first meets Max. (laughs) So it's just, it's crazy to see these two. But I mean, you know, they, they, they bond over something that is stronger than any parental uh, discipline or or guidance, which is the fact that like they're two young boys and they're trying to figure out life. They just want to play with toys. They just want to play with toys. You know, and to this point, you know, you see the rebellious aspect of Max, but she's like, well, let's just play with the stuff that you have. And PJ's like, in the entire time, he continues to say, oh, well, these are investments and I'm not supposed to scuff these up and I'm going to, my dad says I need to make sure that they're in mint condition for the future. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You're a kid. You want to play with these things. You don't buy cool crap to have it sit in a room and never touch it. I mean, granted, probably a lot of people who are listening to this are comic book collectors or 100%. card collectors. Yeah, I know that I personally have tons of stuff myself that I don't touch or play with. But like, but know, as you, a kid, as a kid, if you, you want to play you with, you want to touch things. that stuff. I love that Max though. He like still respects that weirdly. He's just like, ah, okay, I don't really get it, but I kind of get it. So let me find a workaround. Right. And that's what he does. He doesn't just say, let's defy your dad's uh, orders and rules and let's just do this anyway. What he says was, you know, he's looking at a tank that's like basically like under glass, like vacuum sealed or whatever, little t- remote control toy tank. And PJ says his dad said he could never play with it because it'll either get dirt in the treads or it'll get leaves in the gears or it'll get carpet lint in the street t- dust, street dust, like anything. So then Max like looks and he's like, did he say anything about the walls or ceilings? And PJ's like, mm, no, come to think of it, he didn't. So it's like he <laughs> finds that loophole and he's like, yes. <laughs> and that it's kind of, it builds to the point where it ends where this little toy tank is just like, just like on suction cups, just like puckering the entirety of the walls and ceiling of the house. Just a super cute moment for those two. It was kind of like their meet cute where they actually get to like bond together. For me, what I thought was like completely insane was the final few moments where Pete gets driven so insane by the what about Bob nature virtue of of, of uh, Goofy being in the house under the same roof as him and essentially ruining all of Pete's plans that he rushes out gets the moving moving van drives it back I think uh, one of my favorite lines other than that first one was uh, he tells the moving guy to like step on it like let's go and the guy's like I don't want to break Mr. Goofy's dishes and Pete screams sanity before crockery and then just like throws them out and just takes off. And then he grabs the entire Goof family and throws them into their house. In the middle of the night the while they're the sleeping. Night, picks them up, cat and everything, throws them into their house. And to your point, like you said earlier, Goofy thinks this is just like the greatest thing on earth. He's like, oh, I can't believe my buddy Pete did this for me. And now I get to like, now I've got my own house with all my stuff. All our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Super cute. I don't know why I came out like a Jerry. So, hey, look. Hey, got, it's all our hey, stuff. Hey, all our stuff. Isn't that crazy? What's the deal with moving? So, and then in the end, Pete has this final realization where he's just like, I finally got him out of the house. And he's like, oh, I got him out of the house. Now I just have to get him out of the neighborhood, like out of Spoonerville. And he's like, he's like, okay, cool. That I can do because now I can finally go to sleep and I can rest and I can recover. My blood pressure will come down. No. But no. No. What's Goofy up to? In this fancy seconds, you just hear Goofy be like, all right, Max. Time to set up the house. And it just sounds like a construction zone yeah, yeah. plus a war zone yeah. at the same time in Spoonerville. Yeah. And it just it just jerks Pete up out of like that attempted nap, yeah. that attempted two minutes of sleep that he has. And that's it. Ugh. 
crazy. Anything else from this uh, episode uh, overall or any specifics? No. How'd this one rank for you? I gave this a seven. I okay. would have liked to have seen some more in terms of the reason why Goofy moved back. That was really sort of shoveled Rushed. in there. Because yeah. I, I don't understand what Goofy does or what the degree... I, so, or what they were doing before or yeah. why they moved there. Or... I, I also... I, I'm, and I know that this is like a really weird point to say, but like I don't understand why Goofy is a single father. I, I think this might be one of the things that they address in one of the movies. Yeah. I can't remember the specifics. Yeah, you know, because I... they do all the all the the mom and dad stuff in movies. You know, yeah. I don't know why that sounded gross when it I did said sound it. Gross. But like, you know, I only say that because stop. When we did all grown up, we had the moments where we talked yep. about with Rugrats with um with the uh, Mr. Finster, you know, finding his new wife, and that happened in yeah. Rugrats. Uh, what was it? Uh, in, in Rugrats in Paris. Paris. Look yeah. at How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, the yeah. Spoiler alert: the the stuff that goes down with um. What's his name's mom and dad are in two different episodes. So one's all about the mom, one's all about the dad. So it's weird that they do that in movies, I guess, for like that big emotional punch. Um, and yeah, they do it again with Goof Troop. That was a knock for me too. I ended up giving this a six because I thought it set the rest of the series up very well, but it felt like it felt like that setup. It didn't feel like an organic kind of like episode in the overall series, if that makes sense. It felt kind of like a setup in that they rushed to get all the pieces in place, and then we're like, cool, now on the next episode, we'll actually see how they all function together. Right. It was fun, don't get me wrong. I love, I love seeing everybody kind of come together, but it just felt like it was a, almost like a prequel to the series itself. Like, right. did I need to see them actually move to Spoonerville, or could, could they all have just been living there and just had a weird clash between the two families? You know? Yeah. Um, I'm excited, though, at the point that there are 64 additional episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of story to mind, sure. I, one, one final fact for Goof Troop. Um, I did like, it looked like in the beginning that Goofy and Max were living in a trailer, sort of like maybe by like a lake and like somewhere rural. I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And then it's weirdly revealed as they drive away that they were just like in this RV sandwiched between two giant apartment buildings with a weird like farm, like a, like a curtain. Like a, like a curtain, like a, like a backdrop. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, like out in the countryside, but it was just like in the middle of the city with all this like smog and stuff. It's just a weird reveal for something that you didn't talk about at all. <laughs> just a strange thing to include. So for me, it was a six. It, it was okay for a, for a first episode. Could have been better. What about Bonkity Bonk? Oh, boy. Oh, here we uh, go. Yeah, I, I guess if we felt that Goofy yeah. felt a little forced, inorganic, and rushed, <laughs> this was the exact same feeling that I had, but on speed. Okay, sure. Haven't done it. Gonna do it. Want to hear what that's about. I mean, I don't I don't know what it's like either. Uh, I'm just making a broad assumption. I mean, just in terms of, like, time and pacing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the actual well, drugs. We do not do... God, why do every time do I try to tell people to do drugs? You no, always have I'm to not, tell them not, not to do drugs. drugs. It's uh, mixed messages now. It's, it's, and that's on you. Is it? Yeah. Well, did you watch the Bonkers Drug episode? Oh my god, I hope so. Aren't they all? Because he looks like a fucking... He looks look like a moldy Cheeto running around. I can't figure out what he is. He's like, if Chester Cheetah put on rabbit ears that yeah. were made out of Cheetos. If Chester Cheetah was like a next level furry, but of like oh. a different species, I don't know how that works. Weird. It's not good. Uh, the premise of this, I think to Sean's point, the fact that they just like bulldoze through this thing in the beginning, because you essentially have like a super popular celebrity cartoon 
who his show gets canceled, he's fired, and then he he randomly finds his way on like the local police force. That sounds like some some sort of plot out of like a bad '80s action movie or something. Which, and I'll say this a number of times for this discussion, it's that kind of idea that when I stop and think about it, without looking at the execution of how they did it on the show, I'm like, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Not the idea that it's a cartoon star that goes on the police force, but the idea that it's a satirical take on an 80s movie about a celebrity who becomes a police, uh, a policeman. Once you add kind of that layer to it, a lot of the ideas in the show make a lot more sense. It's just that they never quite hit it with the execution. Yeah, I think that there's... Uh, this... This, this show kind of suffers from, you know, we talk about pacing a lot of these episodes. Yeah. There's like, there's like a natural ebb and flow and this never stops going. This is like the crest of the, the wave the entire time and it doesn't stop ever. Yeah. And it, it almost needed some of those moments uh, to sort of humanize the character of Bonkers D. Bobcat, you know, to understand like what the motivation is or, or at least, I don't know, have some like, fear or have some understanding that possibly he was becoming a cop and that he didn't know these things that he he executed on that idea for yeah. like a half a second and then turned and was just like well i'll i'll go over to you know fall apart rabbit and he'll quiz me on all these things and like now i'm a cop i'm a cop now i think the only time we got to see a little bit of, of humility humanity from this character was when he actually lost his job and was essentially like tossed out of his home had no money had no friends. He thought all his friends had abandoned him, but just kind of like kept going on with his life. He was a little despondent, but it didn't really last that long. And then, yeah, when he becomes a cop by randomly intervening in like this this park mugging uh, gone awry, <laughs> which is very silly, but it was something that you could see like a Hollywood uh, studio or something doing, a Hollywood police department, if there was such a specific thing for cartoons. Um, yeah, instead of being like, oh, I'm a cop. I can either make a difference or I could get killed tomorrow. He's more just like, oh, I played a cop in a movie once and a cartoon, and I know how to do that. Or I was a, you know, I was a detective in a Scotland Yard movie, so I know how to do this. And he keeps making references to them. And it remind, you know, what else it reminds me of? What's that? What's the show with Nathan Fillion where he's the crime Castle? author? Castle. Castle. It reminds me of that, <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. It's the same kind of thing as that. Bit. Yeah. 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 Wow, shiny. <laughs> well, crying, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm tracking. So it's a combination of like Who Frame Roger Rabbit with Castle with just really bad execution on, on most levels. Again, the only thing that stood out to me was um, The Collector. Yeah. I thought that villain was super cool. The reveal was not great. What'd you think of the reveal? We, we can talk about that. This was technically a. Um, a two-part episode. Bonkers joins the police force. He gets teamed up with Lucky, who hates his guts, but they have to track down missing cartoon characters in the area. And it leads him into some dark places. And eventually, it's a reveal for this villain known as the Collector, who's been... I don't want to spoil too much, but he's been kidnapping cartoons for some nefarious purposes. Right. We are going to spoil what the Collector's about right now, so if you want to turn this off and skip ahead about 30 seconds, feel free to do so. What do you think about the reveal of the Collector? That he was an actually, he was not a cartoon, that he was a human? He was a human the whole time. Yeah. But he was like this nerdy, cartoon-obsessed human. It was kind of a weak reveal. I think it wasn't helped by the fact that they kind of weakened him as they got to his reveal with all the, like, cool 
you know, full views of him in right. his weird costume and like the goofy nature of it. The first part of the two part episode was a little more serious when it came to his take. I thought he was going to be like a season long villain, and he, it would have been a great been awesome. villain yeah. to 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 continue to have to to keep as a part of this story yeah. to kind of act like a because you have the collector as being cool, methodical plans. You know, he he is a villain yeah. to contrast Bonkers, who is just does not plan, doesn't right. seem to care, has very little regard about anybody else around him or situational awareness. Yeah. And it's just flailing about from job to job. And slipping on banana peels whenever yeah. you can. Uh, it's almost... Uh, it's it's hard to watch the Bonkers character and, and have that moment where you're just like, oh, this could be like a fun... I could see this being like a fun cartoon character to like, you know... I mean, especially in the context of the show, like have in real life and yeah. be friends with. I'd be like, oh no, this guy would break everything in the house. Yeah, he's like and a I'd get blamed. For... Devil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be blamed for it. I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble. Which, like with Roger Rabbit, you could make that argument to a point. Sure, but Roger Rabbit was like way more redeemable, I think, by the end of his arc than I don't know. Maybe Bonkers is by the end of his run. What did you think about the sort of? To me, it felt a little forced. The relationship between Lucky and, I almost said Roger, Lucky and Bonkers at the end of this two-part episode. Because they have this like weird thing where they like meet up with the family and, and Lucky kind of like invites him in. and You know, it, it like, it felt forced and it felt rushed. It, it definitely didn't feel like it was something that needed to happen. At any point, I, I feel like, Pikel could have just been like, no, this is a bad idea. You're not a cop. Uh, stop it. Yeah. You know, and, and then to, to have that moment where suddenly, you know, the, uh, the captain, like, rewards Lucky, you know, with making him a detective. And he's, you know, now he's a detective, you know, and, and charged with, like, tunes and yeah. stuff. like. And it's just, none of these things seem to add up. And it just, it seemed like what this was was a confluence of everybody doing their jobs really poorly. Hmm. Uh, not in the show or behind the scenes. I mean, no, in the in the show. Okay. You know, I don't I don't think that anybody behind the scenes was doing yeah. a bad job. It just it felt like for these characters, like it was something very forced, rushed. They were like, yeah, let's just like make him a cop, and let's like put him in danger. Oh, like, like it'll be great for PR. Yeah, and let's like make him do stuff. And yeah. I, I don't know. I if he was just a sidekick, similar to what you mentioned about Castle, which yeah. I think is a perfect analogy. Uh. I would have bought it where there are those moments where like kind of engages a little bit more than what he currently is as a writer yeah. or what he was as a writer, uh, you know, and he, he's trying to like lend a hand and he's, he's emotionally invested in everything. Or he kind of helps piece together a vital point because of his like, right. Expertise. Right. But I don't feel like bonkers had any, he had some expertise in this, you know, about his specific friends yeah. uh, and, and sort of like, you know, what their vacationing habits would have been. Right. But I don't, I never really feel like, thing. I never really felt like Bonkers was really emotionally invested. He just sort of seemed like that friend in college that just bounces around from opportunity to opportunity, but doesn't have the, like the, the sarcastic personality mm. and it's still very naive in their thinking and is just happy to be there and show up and participate. And you're like, no, 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 maybe like, Maybe have like a yeah, like some drive or a goal or like what do you what do you want to do? He's like I just want to do whatever's here. It's like that wasn't the question. <laughs> but I'm Bob's the Bobcat. Ugh. If this would have been voiced by Bobcat Goldthwait, I think it would have been perfect show. Okay, with it. fifty. 
50 out of 50. 50 What's funny, I think Bobcat and Lucky were both voiced by Jim Cummings. Did I get that right? I think so, yeah. I think so, which I really prefer Lucky. The version of Lucky is uh, bonkers. Can't do it. Uh, anything else from the plot of this? Let's score this How do you guy. rank it? I gave it a 5. You know, I gave it a 7. Probably more for idea. Collector. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and again, it was based more on like the first episode than the second uh, concluding part of the two-part. I, I really like the stuff they did with like the behind the scenes of the studio. But again, it all felt like, I think I based it on the idea that someone had planned to make a Roger Rabbit animated series. And this is like the watered down version of it. And I can see kind of between the cracks and see what they were trying to do. And then just where they lacked on the execution. I think I'll stick with a seven for that. Because there was some funny stuff in here. It's just, again, bonkers drags everything down. Yeah. Which is weird when it's your title character. I don't know. <sighs> it's hard. All right. All right. Uh, final final category. Yeah, I don't really know how we're going to talk about this, Th- I this guess. Is, but... This is more subjective. This yeah. is this is just how you feel sure. in terms of the, the Disney universe, uh, how this fell in line, what you saw, your... your this is more of a gut reaction yeah. than it is just a score. That's good, because I didn't think about it very much. Uh, what's, <laughs> how Disney was Goof Troop for you? It was a, it was a 10. I gave it an 8. I, it was it was very very Disney for me, uh, a lot of like fun, yeah. kind, teachable moments, yeah, yeah. Uh, good relationships that I saw between these characters, honest moments. Um, I felt good watching it. I felt like this is something wholesome that, in the future when I have children, like I could sit down and I could share with them, and I would be really happy to do that. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, I only knocked it because it wasn't quite as. Uh, I would say it probably wasn't in my like top. Disney cartoons maybe in memory or that I watched as a kid. That's the only reason I got an eight. Not for any fault of its own, just because it was kind of like, yeah, it's a Disney movie, but it's not one of the first like five that I probably would have thought of before gotcha. watching it for tonight. You know, I would have gone the more movie to TV version first uh, rather than uh, what about Bonkers? How Disney is this? I, I think that this is hard. This, I think, has some redeeming qualities to it. But are they Disney? I, I mean... I'll say this, you get two characters from Alice in Wonderland uh, who show up, and you get Donald Duck, who makes a cameo. I gave it a seven. You gave it a seven? Okay. I give it a four because it's not, like, it's not an, it's an original Disney creation, but it feels like it's borrowed from a lot of other things. The Warner Brothers kind of... Uh, yeah, tuna sewage. Tuna sewage. <laughs> Raw tuna sewage. Uh, <laughs> it borrowed from like Marsupilami and, and it borrowed from Roger Rabbit and it borrowed from Castle, which came 25 years or 15 years later. Uh, <laughs> it just feels like a mishmash of all different other things, like the studio system and this kind of Laurel and Hardy buddy cop comedy thing. It just didn't feel Disney. Bonkers is way down the bottom of the list. If you ask me like, yeah. Disney cartoons from the 90s, I wouldn't be like, Bonkers to Bobcat. Like, no, that's, no. Way down at the bottom. So for me, I think, Okay. Uh, what's your total for Goof Troop? Oh, boy. My total for Goof Troop? Time for maths, kids. 40, tally. 44. Nice. Tally yours up at home. Yeah. I guess mine's a 38. Did I add that right? Seems right. 38 is good. We'll see how this all, it's all relative, but we'll see how it stacks up at the end of the month. Uh, what about how <laughs> bonkers? Oh, boy. I give this a 32. This is a 27 for me, so. Okay. Right out of the gates, I'm the hard ass on the Disney cartoons. Hey, I mean, we're, we're within like maybe four or five points. Yeah, it's, it's probably, uh, with only two of us, it's hard to say what the law of averages works out <laughs> to, but that's not bad for our first run, I think, for Disney Madness. Uh, hopefully you guys at home played along too. Feel free to tweet us your scores for both of these. Let us know if we're 
woefully inaccurate on either one of those or if we're pretty close to what you guys thought too. And don't fret if we haven't talked about your favorite cartoon of Disney shows yet because uh, we'll got a lot of months. We've got a lot of months. We've got a lot of weeks left in this month and we'll get to it soon. Hey, thanks for joining me in my own actual house. Hey, thank you. Hey, welcome. Yeah. Uh, I guess to finally yeah. cap this. Recommend um, them, huh? Man, do we want to recommend these? Well, what about Goof Troop? I mean, I'd definitely recommend Goof Troop. You recommend Goof Troop? Yeah. I recommend Goof Troop, too. I'd say go back and check it out. I thought it was going to be more about just, like, the community stuff. Maybe it gets to be like that in later episodes. Um, I'd kind of like to go back and, and watch some more, though, because it's definitely a feel-good. What about Bonkers? I, I do not recommend this, but I don't give it the dip. So it's not like Roger Rabbit. It's not like Roger Damn Rabbit. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. I can't recommend it either. Again, I like the idea that they were going for. It's just like, just go watch Roger Rabbit and then watch a castle marathon. Done. Yeah. Then watch more Soup Alami, I guess. Watch, you... watch like early seasons of Castle. Yeah, early seasons. Early seasons. Yeah. They had anything for that. Um, I mean, that's just our opinion, though, right? Right. That's just our opinion. But hey, guess what? Turns out, you. Yeah, you. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you guys have opinions. And you love to share these with us uh, quite often. And so to honor... Uh, your opinion. We are going to turn this over to listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It was written by Inspector Dark on August 21st, 2001. The review is called A True Cartoon That Had Humor, and the inspector says, By far, Goofy is the best when it comes to comedy at the Disney. This show was very good and well done. Goofy, Pete, Max, and PJ gave Goof Troop the style it need to fit the lineup of DuckTales and Tailspin. Too bad Disney has a habit of killing something that is good. But I am glad they gave Goofy a chance. And Our Hate It was written by Dr. Quidam on November 27th, 2011, who gave the show a rating of 2 out of 10 in a review titled, One of the Lamest Shows of All Time. The good doctor said, The art? Perhaps one of the ugliest kinds of animation I have ever seen. The characters have no clear poses or facial expressions, and the frame rate is very awkward. The backgrounds have really crappy colors, too, and way too much pink, purple, blue, and orange. Ew, the voices? Ugh, they just make my ears bleed. Sometimes you can't even understand what the characters are saying. The stories? What stories? The dialogue? If you want to hear all the flaws of cartoon script writing summed up in every single episode, lame puns, inappropriate lines for most of the characters, this show is for you. I think I don't need to say anything else about it. It's really god-awful. This Love It was written by Chuck Blues on August 8th, 2002. His review was titled, it's just crazy corny fun, what a cartoon is supposed to be. Chuck says, Bonkers is just old-fashioned silliness. It pokes fun at cartoons and old detective movies and movie industry decision-making, all in the style of Abbott and Costello, with corny jokes and puns. It makes fun of Disney cartoons in particular, and has pulled in cameos by such classics as Ludwig von Drake, Donald Duck, the Mad Hatter, and has one entire episode about kidnapping the greatest toon mouse of all. The puns are never-ending, with characters' names such as Lucky's Wife, Dill Pickle, or Bonker's second partner, Miranda Wright. 
The tune slapstick is also non-stop, such as the time they catch a tune imposter with the banana test, because no true tune can resist slipping on a banana. This show is not educational any more than Marx Brothers. It is just plain corny humor, which is, in my humble opinion, what a cartoon is supposed to be. And Our Hate It was written by CoolGuy7 on February 14th, 2000. His review is titled, This Show Makes Beavis and Butthead Seem Educational. The cool guy says, I watched an episode of this show when it was brand new. I thought it was pretty stupid. I can't understand why some children, and possibly some adults, actually like it. What is Bonkers supposed to be anyway? So here's a note to all you parents out there. Don't let your children watch this show. It will just rot their brains. I recommend that they watch a show like DuckTales or Goof Troop. I did not expect the Bonkers hate it to be a hidden Goof Troop love it in disguise. That's just kind of it's the way it worked out, man. Sometimes it's internet kismet. It's just cartoon kismet. Cartoon kismet. Lovely. Hey, we got a lot more Disney March Madness coming up, but what do you have coming up in the next couple of weeks? Bro? Oh, my God. And I pointed at you in real time. I know. Once. This is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. Uh, guys, I perform live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on the turs and the instas at Sean Paul Ellis. I didn't even comment on it in real time. I just <laughs> closed my eyes and shook my head at him because he can see it and feel it for real. Oh, if you're interested in following me on Twitter, you can do so at DrClawMD. You can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveDrumbore.com. If you want to follow this little show right here, we'd love it if you'd head to our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also follow us on our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Keep up with us on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Check out Sean's Gramdy work. God damn it. Ooh. On our Instagram page. <laughs> Keep the conversation going on Facebook. Definitely not on YouTube, though. And listen to our free audio podcast <laughs> each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, we'd love to hear your scores for Disney March Madness. Send them to us. SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You want to give them a little tease about what's coming up next week, or do you want to make them subscribe to our Patreon? Oh man, we should, we can tease if they've made it to the, if we've made it to, if they if they have made it to this point in the show, mm. they deserve a little bit of a tease. We're gonna give you a little something extra here, guys. But normally, this is something special for our Patreon members, so they get a newsletter each and every month to let us know and let them know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. You got a little special treat just for hanging in. Uh, if we were to give people a little bit of a, a tease it would be what if we took weird parts of the lion king oh god like like severed yeah like what if we stitched them together <laughs> into its own dedicated show versus possibly some people from duckburg i would honestly have no effing clue if I didn't already know what they were, I would have no clue what these. I did not. I don't think I ever watched these cartoons. I I know that I watched one of them. Really? Yeah. You want to tell people what they are? Uh, we're gonna be Pack Pack and Timon and Puma. I have no clue what either of those are. I mean, I can figure them out from what you said and stitching together lion parts. But like, Quack Pack is that just like a knockoff of like Goof Troop? I, I honestly have no idea. I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah. If you guys are fans of Quack Pack, Timon, and Pumbaa, yikes, let us know, because we're going to be putting them head-to-head -head next week. Probably going to be severed lion parts everywhere. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.